Good morning to our loyal WFYL listeners around the world. Welcome back to your Philadelphia Friday, only on Fox News Radio. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in once again, because you still have the right to hear and the right to be heard. We're here with you on 1180 AM and broadcasting real time at 1180WFYL.com. Coming to you straight from the birthplace of liberty here in the greater Philadelphia area. And we continue to fight day in and day out as your voice of freedom in the Delaware Valley. I'm attorney Mike Giramita from Giramita Law Offices, but most of you know me as Mike G., and you're listening to Mike G in the morning with The Law Matters. And you can listen to our program every Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. So let's be heard. I want to remind our listeners that you can participate in the free and open exchange of thoughts and ideas all week through the Mike G in the Morning social media platforms. Our Facebook profile is facebook.com slash Mike G in the Morning. Don't forget to like our page. Our YouTube channel is Mike G in the Morning. Don't forget to like our videos and subscribe. Our Twitter handle is at Radio Mike G. And we've also got a screen name on the Instant Grams website. Our screen name on that Instant Grams is Mike G in the Morning. I also want to remind our listeners of the Powerhouse lineup. We've got all day and all week for you here at Fox News Radio WFYL. We've got the Ben Shapiro Show weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. We've got my new pal Scott Adams bringing you the Scott Adams Show weekdays from 9 a.m. until noon. You know, we ought to have him on this program sometime. Second Amendment advocate Dana Lash coming at you weekdays from 1 p.m. right until Ben Shapiro. And finally, we've got Michael Savage bringing you the Savage Nation weekdays at 6 p.m. So don't forget to tune in and show them some love. And with that, you know what time it is. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. You know, we've had a lot going on in the world lately with this whole pandemic situation. People dealing with the coronavirus, not sure what to believe when you watch the media. And understandably so. If you've ever watched any of these press conferences where the president marches on out there, these questions coming from the media, they clearly have an agenda. It's almost like they're not even ashamed to hide it anymore. They're not even trying to hide it. These questions have a clear agenda from the outset. How can we make it look like the president is doing a horrendous job? And the president's new press secretary coming on out there. Immediately, you've got reporters saying, hey, you said this back then about what was going on with the coronavirus. Gotcha. She really put a spanking on them, didn't she? She did. Any of you guys see that? They ask, oh, well, are you going to take it back? You said that the president wasn't going to let the coronavirus come to the United States. But mind you, first of all, that Dr. Fauci testified and said 
and I believe it is in January or February that the coronavirus would not be a serious issue in the United States. And that's the beloved Dr. Fauci. See so many people on the other side uh, praising him half to death, uh, but showing extreme disdain for the president. That's what he said at the time. But they twisted what she had said at some point regarding shutting down the borders. Tried to make it seem like she said the president wasn't going to allow it to come here in any form whatsoever. And she sure shut them down. Let's press pause, Russ. Why don't we try to bring that clip up so that we can show it? I didn't think about it before I started ranting. In a previous life, before you were press secretary, you worked for the campaign. And you made a comment, I believe, on Fox, in which you said President Trump will not allow the coronavirus to come to this country. We will not see diseases like the coronavirus come here. Given what has happened since then, obviously, would you like to take that back? Well, first, let me note, I was asked a question um, on Fox Business about President's travel restrictions. I noted what was the intent behind those travel restrictions, which is we will not see the coronavirus come here. We will not see terrorism come here, referring to an earlier set of travel restrictions. I guess I would turn the question back on the media and ask similar questions. Does Vox want to take back that they proclaim that the coronavirus would not be a deadly pandemic? Does the Washington Post want to take back that they told Americans to get a grip, the flu is bigger than the coronavirus? Does the Washington Post likewise want to take back that our brains are causing us to exaggerate the threat of the coronavirus? Does the New York Times want to take back that fear of the virus may be spreading faster than the virus itself? Does NPR want to take back that the flu was a much bigger threat than the coronavirus? And finally, once again, the Washington Post, would they like to take back that the government should not respond aggressively to the coronavirus? I'll leave you with those questions and maybe you'll have some answers in a few days. Somebody got knocked out over there. What do you oh, know? <laughs> Man, oh. he, she really uh, took him to school on that one. Isn't mm. that fair? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like she was prepared at the end there. <laughs> that's, that's the reporter's gripe, too. Oh, you knew yeah. that was going to cut. You were ready for that. As if that reporter probably didn't sit there all day trying to put that question together. I could see him practicing that in the mirror, right? Oh, I'm going to get right, her right. so good on this, you know? <laughs> You'll never be prepared. For You'll this never time. be prepared for this. Uh, I'm going to get her so good. <laughs> Sitting there for hours upon hours, and then that's all he could come up with. Uh, you knew that was good. You, you were prepared for that. <laughs> oh, I mean, how dare she? Uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> well, my question is: Was she repaired, or was the behavior of the press just predictable, or both? Yeah, well, well, a little well, column A, a little okay, column B. It's a little bit easier to be prepared when the press is predictable, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that, I thought that was that was an excellent response, mm -hmm. and uh, I think it really showed what these reporters have been trying to do this entire time with these gotcha questions, with these. Uh, these people having only one thing in mind, which is taking down the Trump administration, making the administration look bad. And really, we've seen throughout this entire presidency that the more they try to do that, the more people seem to rally around Donald Trump. Does everybody see what I'm seeing? 
Yeah, you're absolutely right, Mike. It's you know interesting that they're focusing on something from so long ago that's not really adding value to the conversation right now at all. Why, why do we need to rehash but, yeah. some of that stuff? Well, let's take a look at the numbers. So in the United States, we've got 1,455,000 cases. Uh, looks like the daily change, an increase in 24,000. New York has little over 350,000 confirmed cases. That's up around 2,200 for the day. New Jersey, 143,000 cases, up less than 1,000 on the day. California, almost 75,000 cases, up around 1,500 on the day. Pennsylvania, 63,220. Got to be specific for Pennsylvania. And a little over 1,000 on the day. Deaths-wise, in the United States, we've got it's like almost 87,000. New York's got a little over 27,000. Almost 10,000 in New Jersey. A little over 3,000 in California. And around 4,200 in Pennsylvania. Uh, I wanted to take a look at this COVID Act Now website. Chris, remember we spoke about that towards the beginning, how they had this website and they were predicting that all of these states were going to go into overload and they had a whole bunch of different options to prevent overload, flatten the curve, so to speak. Yeah, right. And one of them at, at the beginning was Wuhan, Wuhan style lockdown. I don't know if you remember seeing that, but that was one of the Didn't options they that, that they had. They ended up yeah, pulling and they that. Pulled it, right? And yeah. now basically they pulled the entire website. Uh, the entire mm. website is completely different than it was when it started. Now they've got all these kinds of graphs. They've got positive test rates, infection growth rates, and ICU headroom used. Um, basically, they're saying New York can't handle a new wave of COVID. Um, Pennsylvania can likely handle a new wave of COVID. Right. And New Jersey is unable to handle a new wave, wave of COVID. 98%, which is high. Uh, for the ICU headroom used. It's really confusing. They've been all over the map with respect to what exactly we need to do in moving forward. But they do with these graphs show infection growth rates. Uh, on average, how many people, everybody with COVID is infecting after getting it. And it seems to have gone down uh, at May 4th, they had it at roughly one, exactly one even, whereas it was higher than two towards the end of March. So more people were getting infected by everybody who did come down with the coronavirus. You had some hands-on experience with the virus in Philadelphia, didn't you, Chris? Yeah, I did, Mike. Um, yeah, uh, actually, unfortunately, my uh, daughter was diagnosed a couple days ago with the virus, so sending a uh, prayers and thoughts and positive energy her way. And, you know, she wasn't feeling too well. And she made a, a call after discussing it with me and, and what I thought was. And she's grown. Uh, she lives outside the house now. Yeah, she's an adult and uh, she's out on her own. She's doing very well. Thank you. And she'll be fine, I'm sure. But I found it troubling that they diagnosed her over the phone. They basically told her that, yes, she has it. She's positive. She never left the house. She didn't go to a medical facility, didn't do any in-home testing. Um, you know, maybe they're trying to be extra cautious, but on the same token, they're diagnosing her and adding her into the numbers. And when we're looking at these numbers and 
you know, uh, a lot of folks think they're empirical data, it's scientific information and knowledge. How can it be? And that's inflating the overall counts, which is driving these shutdowns across the country, which is uh, obviously causing a lot of problems. So I find that troubling. And I've heard that from other folks. So not sure sure if she really has it or not. I'd like to know if she really has it or doesn't. And we don't know. I saw a meme the other day. It said Bonnie Clyde, Bonnie and Clyde were shot 130 times by the Texas Rangers. Cause of death, COVID-19. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Exactly. I mean, and, you know, as we've talked about on the show, uh, then they got, you know, uh, $40,000 at the hospital for that, apparently, based on what's going on with the um, payments behind the scenes. So, yeah, crazy. So it doesn't make sense. I, I want to see, because you've heard all these reports about how, X amount of people typically die of heart disease in a month and that drops off dramatically or X amount of people die of the flu typically every month and that number yeah. has dropped off exponentially. Right. I, I've got to figure out what would be a solid source for us to really look at it. Again, this is not my area of expertise, but I think that would be certainly telling. If you're looking at the deaths caused by things like heart disease or things like the regular flu, if those are right. way, way, way down, then that should give us yeah. a little bit of information, right? That maybe not everything that's being attributed to the coronavirus actually is directly related to the coronavirus. I'm not saying that uh, coronavirus isn't a bad deal. We had people on this program talking about it and talking about their experience. Um, but it's very difficult to figure out what the root cause of some of these things is. And I think that you can't really come up with a, a legitimate plan in preparation for these kinds of things or a plan to sort of minimize the damage without knowing exactly what these causes right. are, right? Is, is that fair to say? I think it sums it up very well, Mike. You know, unfortunately, we still don't really know what we're dealing with here in many ways because the source data you know uh as we talked about in some of the other episodes trash in trash out so if the source data is inaccurate and how can it be and it's changing all the time the models are changing as you just pointed out there were things on those charts and graphs and they were looking at other options and now the sites are different so when you change the methodologies uh, along the way you know it doesn't uh, reflect an accurate picture of what's really going on which i think is why we have uh, so many various opinions in the country, both between the medical community and the population and uh, citizens and, and, and so forth and so on. So it's very troubling what's happening right now based on uh, the lack of, of true factual information regarding all of these things. It's, it's very unfortunate. Sad to see. For those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with The Law Matters, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. I want to remind our listeners that today's episode of Mike G in the Morning is brought to you by Elite Tactical Armory, your firearm storage solution in the Lehigh Valley. Elite Tactical Armory is a commercial armory where you can rent secure storage for your firearms. Whether it's because you're traveling out of town or you're dealing with false accusations, you've got legal problems, or you've just run out of room for all your precious babies, Elite Tactical Armory is the storage solution for you. You can find out more information about Elite Tactical Armory at EliteTacticalArmory.com or PACommercialArmory.com. That's Elite Tactical Armory or PACommercialArmory.com. Don't forget to support those who support freedom. And be sure and tell them Mike G sent you. You know, I want to talk about 
Elon Musk a little bit. Chris, you've spoken about him in the past on this program. Yeah, a little bit. I brought him up a few times. Yeah. Russ, you know who Elon Musk is? Is that a type of cologne? I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. He's, he's the one that made that yeah. ugly car, that that ugly, unbreakable pile of triangles. Oh, the that, that was the truck, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah the, the well, truck that if you can call it deposit that. down on already. <laughs> yeah. I drove a prototype of that to the to the studio this morning. Oh, oh beautiful! Hey, better than a <laughs> bicycle kidding. with snowflake snowflaking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Elon Musk. He started. He founded PayPal, right? And. Tesla. These are some of the companies. SpaceX. SpaceX, they're trying to commercialize flight to space. Is that what they're trying to do? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty interesting uh, what's going on with the the SpaceX and all of the other things that that he's involved with right now. It's interesting because uh, he's running SpaceX, Tesla, the Boring Company, uh, (laughs) OpenAI, and also Neuralink. Uh, the boring company is the one who pr- produces every other radio program that airs at 7 a.m. Eastern on Friday mornings, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's why everybody's tuning in here today. <laughs> Come listen to Mike G in the morning run by the anti-boring company. <laughs> well, the boring company currently uh, sells flamethrowers and they also bore tunnels underground. Uh, they're ac- actually opening one under. I thought it was uh, not a flamethrower. I thought it was called uh, not a flamethrower, flame, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a it's like a it's a modified um, torch of some kind, and it actually says right on it, "It's not a flamethrower." Not a flamethrower. I thought that was yeah, the that product was called. Well, yeah, cool enough, fair enough. Yeah. But but there's something that he's doing right now, working on that I think is very concerning and should be very concerning to everybody. And if you're not paying attention to this, you need to be. Because you can worry all you want about this virus and the government shutdown and all this other stuff. If this comes to fruition, then we've got an entirely different story on our hands when it comes to fighting for our freedom, when it comes to fighting for our values and what we believe in. This is very serious stuff. Do not take this lightly. Chris, you were telling me a little bit about uh, this other company that he's been (laughs) uh, part of. And what is, he founded this company and they've got technology that consists of some kind of brain implant. Yeah, that's right, Mike. Um, the, yeah, the company is called uh, Neuralink and I believe the device itself will be called uh, Neuralink and it's going to uh, initially be used sort of as a prosthetic device for folks with medical issues. Uh, he actually explained recently uh, in an interview that, let's say someone had MS, for example, they could potentially get this implant. They'll bore a hole in your skull and connect um, an electronic device into the neural network in your in your brain, you know, connect to the electrical signals that go through our nervous system and be able to control the muscles. So let's say somebody had MS, uh, they could release this and, and help folks in that situation. And he's basically saying it would potentially fix almost any major uh, health issue, especially related to the nervous system, but it's also going to be used, uh, and it's already listed on their site by the military and also in robotics. So, you know, he's saying early on it would be more of a medical device, but he says in the next five to 10 years, one of the biggest things he said during the announcement is that you would no longer have to talk. You could basically think into the device and anyone else who's connected to it and essentially connected to some sort of AI or internet interface, maybe these satellites they're, they're putting up in the sky right now at Skylink, and you'd be able to communicate essentially telepathically through this device. And it, uh, and it, it would says, give us access to information. 
says they were founded in July of 2016, and they're working on developing implantable brain-machine interfaces. And that's exactly what I heard when he said that he said human language will eventually be obsolete. You, you don't have conversations by making noises uh, with your yeah, mouth, right? You, you mouth, there's no spoken noise. words. There's no <laughs> verbalized language. Uh, you just speak back and forth through these implantable brain machine interfaces that should be very concerning once you've got something going into your brain do you think there's sure. any way possible that somebody will not use that to uh, foster power and corruption it's just impossible there's no way that something like that can happen where you have everybody in the world or, or a massive amount of people with these technological implants that won't be abused in some form or fashion. It's mm-hmm. just not going to happen. And it, and it reminds me biblically of something that's in Revelation. Chris, do you have that verse pulled up that we had spoken about? Uh, it seems to be dealing with something like this directly. Yeah, that's right. It's from uh, Revelation uh, 13, 17. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So, yeah, it's it's really concerning, Mike. You know, I think I've, I've looked at this closely and it's interesting. Elon's Musk, uh, his, Elon Musk's position on it. You know, he's basically saying it's almost like a um, situation where with the artificial intelligence, we either join them or, or we get beaten by, it, you know, um, essentially but- linking ourselves into the interface because it's already here and AI is going to take off. And, and essentially, <laughs> once AI has some sort of consciousness and becomes a sentient being, which is very possible that it might determine that humans are, you know, antiquated and no longer necessary. So his argument, (laughs) that that sounds like, that really sounds like, sounds like sci-fi. If anybody thinks that, anybody thinks that Mm -hmm. I'm nuts for equating this with the mark of the beast, I I think that there's a a very basic connection, right? It says you're going to have to get the mark of the beast or you can't buy or sell. If people start putting these implantable brain machine interfaces in, uh, do you think that, eventually they won't say this is how we're going to trade right if you want to be able to trade this is the secure way that we trade we don't have cards anymore or anything like that you just have to have one of these things implanted in your brain it'll be unique to you and nobody will be able to hack it or steal it or anything like that okay there'll be no more identity theft uh if 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 there are terrorists on the loose we'll be able to track them down with these things right there's just so many reasons i could see the government using for putting it out there that everybody has has to have one of these things it or even if they don't mandate that everybody has one uh basically we've seen technology take over at such a vast rate and some of these companies think about the social media companies right facebook and yeah. twitter how big they've become and right. they're almost bigger than government in certain in a certain sense right uh <laughs> because you have people attacking them saying that they want their First Amendment rights to be recognized. And then these companies say, well, no, we don't have to recognize the First Amendment because we're not a government entity. Uh, could right. we have a private company come out with something that 
ultimately ends up being universally used to buy and sell and then people won't have an option otherwise there won't be an alternative even if it's not the government forcing it on you it turns out just being the only thing possible and so many people buy into this think about uh, these social media companies how much information they take from people how much of your privacy you voluntarily surrender by using sure. these things and so many people don't care they just look the other way they say right. you know what whatever everybody's doing it and I've got to get on here to talk to my friends from high school who I haven't spoken to in a while because we can't call each other on the phone or write each other a letter that's just far too antiquated right so we have to use this website so I'm going to surrender all of my privacy and everything like that I'm going to give them all of my information so they could sell to a third party so they could market things directly to me have more information on every single person in this world than they ever have and you could ever possibly think of by volunteering information you could sit there and do a questionnaire where you voluntarily answer questions you'd probably give them less information than they already have on us based on these social media websites based Mm -hmm. on our internet history so to think that they could come up with something like this through a private company this implantable brain machine interface and it wouldn't work unless the government imposed it on us i think that's just foolish at this point what do you think yeah, you know, it's a very important question, Mike, you know, and if, if, if this is rolled out and these implants take place and eventually he's saying that it will literally be connected to every um, neuron in your brain. So how would you have a private thought? How would you even know what is your thought or what is being generated by the equipment itself? He's saying you could even save state like in a game where you could right. hit a button and then, up, you know, from the day you had it implanted to that moment, you can save everything with, you know, it's like your phone. Your phone can mm-hmm. take video, audio, and it retains it perfectly as long as you don't have a problem with the memory. And then there's that challenge. So, you know, it's fascinating to think it would make us superhuman. It would give us all these capabilities. You could, you know, literally access any amount of information um, you know, at any time with with just thinking it. But, you know, the, the problem is it's Pandora's box. So, and, and he was asked some questions about that, you know, the security issue. Um, and he addressed it to some degree, but, but if someone were to hack it, just like your phone gets hacked or your computer, mm. uh, you know, then you could probably input information and they're going to say it, they, they're going to say it's unhackable though. Could, could you imagine them saying, well, yeah, <laughs> no, that is a concern. And certainly someone could sure. break into your yeah, brain and right. you'd be out of luck. He's, they're not yeah. going to say that. Are you kidding me? There's no well, the way. The Titanic never that. sank. I mean, the Titanic it, never it, sank. No, the, right, exactly. the Titanic no, was right. made out of iron. I guarantee yeah. iron will sink. it it was it was pure arrogance that caused that they they said there's no way that's gonna happen there's they Mm -hmm. can't go out there and say that's going to happen i'm sure people still would sign up and say yeah but the possibility is remote they're not gonna say that though they're gonna say that's impossible nobody could get into this thing we we figured that's a nobody could into it and you're gonna be fine i'd be curious to see how many people say yes sign me up i'm all about it that sounds great i mean cutting a hole in your head and putting in this implantable interface uh, versus how many people say, no, no matter what, I will not comply. And I'm not doing it. It's it's not happening for me and my family. We will live in the woods. We will live remotely on a farm. We will live off of the land. We will never buy and sell another good as long as any of us should live. If this is what it's going to be, I think there are people still out there uh, that would take that position. Uh, But I think that Far more people in this day and age would go along with this uh, plan, go along with 
getting this sure. type of technology yes. installed in your brain than in right. years past. I, I think that this is a time in history, particularly maybe uh, some people could link this up to the way people have behaved during this whole entire pandemic situation. Maybe uh, the, the amount of trust in the government that is being shown by some of these people during this time could be linked to why it would be such a great time for these companies to start pushing this kind of technology if they thought the time was right. A better time now than ever, right? This, this is the, the society right. that we live in. I know he's saying that, you know, 10 years is probably more likely the, the time frame, but people need to be yeah, aware of this stuff right now. You know, it's really not that long. You know, I, I, it isn't. I Could you imagine thinking yeah. that, that in 10 years maximum, you're going to have to make a decision whether you're going to have an sure. implant in your brain right. or right. you're going to, you know, completely change your way of life as you know it. I think that's and serious it, stuff. One thing I was thinking about too, is initially it may be almost like a, a luxury item because you essentially become superhuman. Let's say you're running a company or you're working on wall street or you're a programmer I mean, your productivity and accuracy would go infinitely through the roof at that point. You could probably play a game in your head while you're you know, doing coding and uh, get paid for it. So then there's going to be a caste system that, that the people who have it, the people who don't. You could probably talk to this, Mike, with your experience in the sports world. Like It's almost like steroids in a way. At some right. point, professional athletes have to make a decision. Am I going to be a professional athlete and compete against all these of my peers who are before me who have you know, use that, 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 that benefit. Right. I mean, that's kind of what happened in the sports world. Right? And the steroid, exactly. There was yeah. a steroid era. Basically, if you were not taking steroids, you were at an immediate disadvantage. Right. Uh, you were not on a level, level playing field. If you were not taking steroids, uh, that right. sort of was the playing field was, uh, the majority of people were taking steroids. So, you know, not having one of these implantable brain machine interfaces, will come at a disadvantage. You will be disadvantaged right. in comparison to the other people in your field. Uh, but I wonder if society even lasts that long at that point, or do people just pack it up and, and move it off the grid if something like this starts to roll itself out? Well, another thing I thought that was fascinating is he's very confident that, you know, in that 10 year or so window, and he's usually not wrong with his timelines, so, uh, you know, he's saying roughly in 10 years that not only will you have all these uh, additional capabilities and 100 percent memory retention, access to information, but that you would be able to upload your consciousness into the cloud. Um, you know, maybe it's these 40,000 satellites they're putting up uh, right now. There's about 400 or so up already. And eventually there won't be a place on the globe where your neural link wouldn't be connected to the cloud, the internet. And then, uh, you know, we're all one unified point of consciousness that's connected at that point. So it's, it's what, what are we then? What does humanity become? Who are we? Cyborgs. I think it's an important question, right? Yes. And we already are cyborgs. <laughs> rise of the cyborgs. Way, we have our phones. <laughs> Right. How many people feel naked when they don't have their phone? Right. They feel like they, yeah. they don't know what to do. So Wait a minute. To, hold on. to some Where's extent, my phone? Hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's in your hand, it? Chris. Okay, I found it. I'm OK. Yeah. I'm OK. I'm OK. I'm OK. We're <laughs> um, doing the show. You, yeah, you know, we're going to have Jose Morales. We're going to shift gears a little bit, talk more about firearms. Uh, but I think that people should be aware of that stuff. But uh, we're going to talk to Jose Morales, who's going to come on the program and discuss a sure. fairly recent event in the greater Philadelphia area. But before we do, let's pause for a word from our sponsors. 
<laughs> For those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with The Law of Matters, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. As promised, we've got a very special guest with us on the line. We've got Jose Morales of Philly Firearms Academy. Jose, are you with us? I am, Mike. Great to, great to be here. Now, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. You know, we saw these stories in the news about the shooting that took place on the SEPTA bus up in Northeast Philly. And apparently what happened was a man shot three teenagers on the bus after some kind of an altercation. And at the outset, I believe the first story came out in middle of April, April 16th. This guy was saying it was self-defense and all the articles are talking about how the shooter was being cooperative, going down to the police station for interviews. Immediate red flag in my mind, right? <laughs> but just recently, there's another article that comes out and says that this guy is actually being charged uh, with aggravated assault and a whole host of other crimes. Frankly, probably could have gotten charged with something a little more serious, like uh, attempted murder or something of that nature. But they ended up they ended up charging him with aggravated assault, a whole host of other crimes. They're saying that he actually started the fight now. That's what's coming out. Now, I understand that just by reading these articles, none of us could really have enough insight with respect to what really happened to say anything intelligent. And I can't stand that when people go on the air and they just speculate about what must have happened. I saw this happen right after this situation hit the, the newspapers, right? After these articles started coming out, people come out, hey, yeah, serves them right. They look, this guy shot in self-defense. Thank God he had his gun. I said, pump the brakes a second here. We don't know what happened. And we still don't know what happened. But I think there are still valuable lessons that can be learned from the very fact that you had a shooting on a bus. One guy saying it's self-defense, you know, prosecution coming after him, the police saying that it, he started the fight. I think there are valuable lessons to be learned for all of our listeners, the law-abiding gun owners, about both situational awareness and also de-escalation techniques. Do you think that's an accurate uh, assessment, Jose? Well, that's absolutely accurate, Mike. Absolutely accurate. And uh, yeah, when I saw that, uh, when I read that article, I just I just shook my head because, uh, you know, as a firearms instructor, I've seen really very similar situations uh, happen on the, both the civilian side and uh, and and also when the uh, quasi law enforcement side. This guy was supposed to be a security guard. Um, uh, that's what the article said, right? Right. Yeah. That, that's right. That's, so you think that uh, he'd have some level of training, right? Well, in order to be a an an armed security guard, and if he was working for the University of Pennsylvania, I believe was it, uh, I. My memory, it, it escaped. The details escaped me. But if he was an armed security guard, he had to pass what was called Pennsylvania. It's called Lethal Weapons Training Act 235, which is, I believe, a 40 hours of intensive classroom and some range firearms instruction to prove familiarity, a base familiarity with laws. But that doesn't automatically give him, let's say, any legal powers, any, any uh, police powers outside of his job, uh, you know, and his license to carry notwithstanding. But you know, the, the, the more fascinating, I guess, um, Trojan point is that a lot of our listeners um, are firearms owners and also have licenses to carry. And one of my gripes has always been that Pennsylvania is, holds us to a standard, but they don't teach us that standard or even um, have us document a competency of that standard. So how in the world can you um, meet a standard that you don't fully know and prove that you've known? i.e. the use of deadly force, right? This guy felt threatened, I think. He felt um, 
<laughs> he said he was attacked by attacked yeah. by, three, by three probably road scholars at uh, at one o'clock in the morning on a bus who were uh, oh, oh, I'm sure. right uh, absolutely I'm sure, absolutely I'm, I'm sure they were coming home from you know from the library or something or whatever you know be that as it may but <laughs> but he was he was 24 years old himself and when I saw that uh, he shot one in the leg the other one in the leg and the buttocks and the one in the in the knee. You know, immediately, you know, I started as a farms instructor. Okay, red flags started coming, popping in my mind, because, you know, the bottom line is, or if you carry a gun for self-defense, ask yourself this question. Am I using the gun because I want to or because I absolutely positively have no choice but to use the gun, right? right. And if the question, the answer to that is the, the, the former, eh, hold off and figure out another way to resolve that problem. Um, either, you know, having de-escalation techniques or, you know, or having an option other than the gun to solve that problem. Right. So, but Jose, a part of that is recognizing that a situation is unfolding in front of you, right? So, somebody being on a bus like that, I've seen people fall asleep on public transportation. That always blows my mind. I'm sure you saw it too, living in New York occasionally. It's just not a good idea. What could people do to make sure that they're situational aware and see these things unfolding? Well, you know, the best gunfight is the one we avoid. Um, the best altercation is the one we avoid through awareness. So you're absolutely right, Mike. Being aware of your surroundings, following your instincts, and not letting yourself be put in a position or putting yourself into a position where you're going to have to possibly use the gun to begin with. So why sit all the way in the back of the bus um, when you can actually sit closer to the driver or closer to the front of the bus? It's something that, you know, again, uh, is something minor but something that actually can be, you know, can be controlled because again, a lot of times when we look at it, you know, uh, conflict resolution, all this, we, it, these situations can be avoided, which, um, you know, reminds me of a, of a story. Um, I'm going to tell you a quick story that my best man, my best man before, uh, before me getting married, he said to me, listen, I'm going to give you some sage advice. Remember these three phrases. And it'll save you a lot of headache in life, especially since you're getting married. He says, remember, I'm sorry. It's all my fault. It'll never happen again. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's all my fault. It'll never happen again. I never, I didn't really get it. But, you know, later on uh, during our, during my wife and I's honeymoon, um, I did something silly as all husbands do. And I remembered my, uh, my best man's words. And I said to my wife, I'm sorry. It's all my fault. It'll never happen again. And all of a sudden, her demeanor totally changed, and everything was was uh, was roses, and and the honeymoon was blissful. So you know that it just goes to show you that you know putting your pride in your back pocket and having a de-escalation technique handy and practicing it is it will save you whether you're in the back of a bus or you know on vacation with your wife. Yeah, that's actually an excellent point. I've met uh, only a couple of people over the years who. Don't understand that concept, meaning for the most part, when I deal with people at my seminars or people who show up to a class that I'm taking, I meet people who want nothing more than an option to protect themselves and their loved ones, and they don't want any trouble. They don't want to deal with the legal system. They don't proclaim to be some kind of tough guy. And really, they buy their firearm, they train with their firearm, praying that they never have to use it in a real life self-defense situation, uh, which I think a lot of people can relate to. But I've run into one or two people over the years who just 
can't get that through their head. And they take the attitude that I'm not going to let someone else get something over on me, or I'm not going to bow down to anybody. Uh, that's not what I'm going to do. Nobody's going to push me around or call me this or say that. And those are the people who end up in a lot of trouble. And that's why I meet them down the road and they're on the wrong side of the bars. <laughs> you got to learn to pick your battles, I think. So Jose, do you have any uh, tips for our audience about de-escalation of situations? If someone confronts you, uh, rather than escalating the situation to where you're drawing the firearm and shooting two people in the, the knee and the butt and <laughs> and whatever else, uh, uh, that you're somehow using your words, your actions to get out of these kinds of things? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, you know, like I said, you, you know, emotion is our enemy when we're making decisions, especially when our life and death decisions, use of deadly force decisions, even, you know, escalating an argument with a, with a family member or choosing, you know, what words you use when someone cuts you off at the, the line at the local supermarket. You know, emotion is our enemy. So we have to realize, OK, what are our triggers and acknowledge your own triggers? Are your triggers of road rage, rudeness, of someone being discourteous? You know, what are your particular triggers? Because if you don't know what your triggers are, you can't curb them. Um, secondly, have a de-escalation plan in place prior to, to needing it. Or it could be something as simple as, listen, uh, I apologize. It's all my fault. It'll never happen again, right? A simple phrase that you can actually just go ahead and use to de-escalate and de-diffuse a situation. Mm. And it's not only knowing the plan, but also practice it. You know, you don't want to figure out, you don't want to find out that that plan, you start stuttering when you need to actually use that situation, that, um, that, that plan. Um, and uh, you figure, you know, and you have to kind of uh, dance around what you're trying to say. So practice it, whether you're doing it, you know, by yourself or in your car, but practice saying it. Um, and also, you know, have an option other than the gun if you're going to carry a gun um, for protection, uh, be it pepper spray, uh, be it some other kind of less than lethal option. Right. Um, because, again, I carry on a regular basis, but I also have pepper spray in my car, in my pocket. And that's my go to um, initial response if I have to use it before escalating to the to the level of using a firearm. Because, again, am I using the gun because I want to or because I absolutely positively have no choice but to use the gun? And this gentleman that uh, that used the gun on that bus, he actually ended up grazing one of the passengers. Imagine oh. if he would have shot killed mm. the person. Wow. Imagine, wow. oh my God, I, I just, mm. just because he, you know, had what I call gun muscles, just because you have a gun doesn't give you, you know, extra, you know, extra, extra, um, power, magical or superpowers. It's it really, it's a life and death decision, even showing that gun. So mm. again, you know, have an option other than deadly force and maintain awareness. Don't be so proud that you can't say, listen, uh, I'm sorry, uh, you know. It's it'll never happen again. I'll I'll wrap up with one final story, and this is an absolutely true story. I about maybe about a year ago, I was driving um, during about a light light rain in a Staples parking lot, and I went to turn into park, but I noticed that someone was approaching another vehicle was approaching me the opposite way. They were going a bit fast, and was one of these last minute decisions where do I turn into and park or do I wait? And I just went ahead and I I turned. 
and into a parking spot, not realizing that the person was going pretty fast and they shouldn't have been going as fast as they were going. But I said, you know what? It's life, whatever. I went ahead and parked my, uh, parked my car, got out of my car and walked into Staples. So as I'm entering Staples, I know I hear a car door slam unusually loudly and I look in the uh, in the window of the stables and i see this person that uh, the person i just cut off uh, technically coming towards me walking really quickly with purpose i said okay here we go i went ahead and put my uh, put my hand in my pocket i found my pepper spray i went ahead and, and released the safety valve on it just in case the safety in case i need to use it and i waited until he was about maybe two paces from me. Um, and he was, he was there. I can tell he was staring at me intently. And I turned around and I said, Hey, listen, I'm sorry. I could cut you off back there. I didn't mean to do that. I apologize. Are you okay? And all of a sudden he just, he short circuited. He didn't know how to kind of take it. He actually just kind of grumbled something and he moved on. Right. Um, I had an option there other than using my gun and I had my gun on me. Um, mm. I had my pepper spray ready. I created a little bit of distance and I went ahead and I did the exact opposite of what he expected. You know, so, hey, listen, I'm really sorry if I cut you off back there. I didn't mean to. You know, what are you going to say? Right. And, you know, <laughs> you, you did cut me off pretty bad, though, Jose. You, did cut me off. <laughs> you know, exactly. Yeah. Friggin' jerk. You just clear right in there. I think that's just face. Yeah. yeah, listen, it didn't cost me anything. I put my put my, you know, he was wrong, but I wasn't going to turn around and, and argue with him. It's it's a no win situation. And to be honest with you, those couple those couple of sentences, putting my pride in my back pocket was a lot cheaper than having to to, to pay an attorney, um, you know, and after making a life altering decision. So, again, it, trust me, it does work. You know, Jose, whenever you bring up the use of defensive spray, I remember that time where you told me that you keep it in your map pocket in your vehicle. And I had to ask you, well, what exactly is a map, Jose? <laughs> <laughs> well, before Google and the internet, we had paper references. Uh, well, yeah. Long before oh. my time, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, Jose, but, we really appreciate you joining us. I think that's very valuable information to the listeners. Hopefully, none of our listeners end up in this kind of a situation because I think that it's likely that one of two things happened here. And again, we don't know all the details, but when I hear that somebody made statements to the police and then thereafter they're being charged, there's a couple of things that could have happened. Number one possibility is that maybe he legitimately did have a justification claim. But he decides to go and open his mouth to the police and sit down and make a statement without an attorney in the aftermath of this kind of a critical incident and ends up saying something incriminating that isn't true and that he doesn't mean. I'm sure you've seen that a number of times, Jose. I've seen it more times than I can count in these situations. But the second possibility really is that uh, this guy goes in to make this statement to the police and he is one of these kinds of guys who take that attitude that I'm not going to let anybody do X, Y, or Z to me. And those kinds of people who take that position typically don't see anything wrong with it. They don't even realize that everybody else is looking at them saying, what is wrong with this guy? He doesn't understand the law. And they think that everybody else is on the same page with them, that they could just tell the judge exactly that I'm not going to let anybody walk all over me and I'm going to shoot them if they look at me cross-eyed and the judge is going to say, oh, well, you know, you got to write to self-defense. You know, there's nothing wrong with that there. And these people are just delusional. So it'll be interesting to see the way the facts unfold. But Jose, we really appreciate your, your insight and your advice on this one. 
Well, Mike, thank you so much for having me, Chris. Always, always a pleasure seeing you guys. And uh, thanks again. I hope that the uh, the audience learned a little something, and uh, you know, just everyone stay safe and healthy. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, Jose Morales of Philly Firearms Academy. Stay safe, Jose. Great hearing from you. You too, guys. Thank you so much. For those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with the Law Matters, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. I want to remind our listeners that today's episode of Mike G in the Morning is brought to you by Elite Tactical Armory, your firearm storage solution in the Lehigh Valley. Elite Tactical Armory is a commercial armory where you can rent secure storage for your firearms. Whether it's because you're traveling out of town, or you're dealing with false accusations, whether you've got legal problems, or you've just run out of room for all your little precious babies, Elite Tactical Armory is the storage solution for you. You can find more information about Elite Tactical Armory at EliteTacticalArmory.com or PACommercialArmory.com. That's EliteTacticalArmory.com or PACommercialArmory.com. Don't forget to support those who support freedom. And be sure and tell them Mike G sent you. And Philly Chris, I guess, as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'll send everybody over as well. <laughs> Oh, hey, Mike. Uh, nice job on uh, John Bachman's show on TV the other day. Oh, I appreciate it. You know, you know, that got me thinking, though. When he called me and invited me in on the program, I said, you know, thanks, John. It's been too long. And you could tell that that really got to him because he realized we hadn't spoken about the Second Amendment in such a long time. He started talking about, well, yeah, you know, with this pandemic and everything, you know, and he realized, I think, at that moment, live on the air, that he hadn't spoken about the Second Amendment in a long time. And that got me thinking, you know, we're spending so much time talking about the coronavirus that I think we're devoting less time than we should to talking about our Second Amendment. I don't think that's right, particularly because we're at a critical time in this country for our Second Amendment. One of the things that I saw was an article saying that every town for gun safety announced it'll be spending five billion bucks in Arizona to try to back Democrats up and down the ballot. And they're trying to win the state legislature and the United States Senate race. And if they win the state legislature, that'll be the first time they have it in about 60 years over in Arizona. And of course, their whole goal over there is to win these races so that way they can impose gun control in Arizona which is known as a safe haven for gun owners a, some a state that protects the right to bear arms the president of the organization said that they're going to use the same playbook that it used to get lawmakers elected in Virginia and we all know what's happened over there they just passed more gun control measures over there this is Virginia where a lot of people thought it would never happen over there i'm sure Arizona is the same way Folks, I don't see these races going for the Second Amendment supporters. I don't see states that we were once anti-gun turning over and turning into staunch Second Amendment supporters, becoming constitutional carry states. It's just not happening. It's going in the wrong direction, period. And if we don't do something about this right now, it's going to be too late before we know it. The same group, every town. Uh, said that they're also going to be recruiting pastors and other faith leaders 
to go out there and push these anti-gun narratives, these gun control agendas. That's very, very dangerous. And frankly, it's scary to think that somebody could be sitting in church or, uh, you know, those are the, the Jewish face sitting in the temple and hearing their religious leaders speaking about how you've got some kind of obligation to vote for gun control. I'm sure that could influence a whole lot of people. This is scary. Do you see what's going on here, Chris? Uh, you know, I uh, I see it, and I don't want to believe it. You know, really, it's um, it's just not right. And especially with everything else going on right now, it's 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 not a good time for it. You know, we need our constitutional rights uh, more now than ever. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree, Mike? Right? I mean, there's so much Absolutely. going on in the world right now. Absolutely, yeah. but maybe people are, are not going that there's to, ever a good time not to have them. But you know. but, yeah, but the, I think that it's a, a time for the uh, politician, these government officials, to sneak things by people. Don't you think? Right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I was uh, just looking at that new bill a little bit, the heroes bill. And that's concerning some of that stuff. Is that the one that's house resolution six, 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 six? Yeah, I think it's exactly that, but maybe three sixes or five or who knows. Sixes, <laughs> <laughs> Somebody was saying, oh, well, it's not it's not three sixes. It's not the mark of the beast. Mark of the beast is three sixes. That's four sixes. That's like somebody getting pulled over and the cop saying, you look just like this guy on America's Most Wanted. And the guy saying, no, 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 that's not me. That guy's wearing a hat, right? <laughs> completely different. Now, I think that uh, six, 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 six is actually called the trace act if i'm not mistaken but yeah they, right. there's all kinds of stuff it's very difficult to to keep up with all the things that are being thrown at everybody right now i did want to talk about a couple of editorials pretty quickly because sometimes when you read these editorials about the second amendment it just shows the gross misunderstanding people have about both what the right to bear arms is and the type of people who are gun owners one I saw was about a rally that was out in Raleigh, North Carolina, and the headline was Second Amendment does not give people the right to carry guns at rallies, which from the headline alone, it's got the whole entire concept upside down, right? They've missed the mark based on that headline alone. Did you catch the problem, Philly Chris? Well, you know, it's interesting because the Second Amendment, as far as uh, I understand and, and read it, it actually limits the government's ability to take our rights away. So bingo, bingo. Second Amendment yeah. doesn't give anybody rights. The Constitution doesn't give anybody rights. It protects our rights from the government. So that's number one. So over the weekend, a dozen people with weapons, flags, and even a large pipe wrench. Oh, my goodness. They had a wrench. <laughs> marched through downtown Raleigh. <laughs> Thank goodness no one was injured or killed. That just shows the disconnect here, that a dozen people could have weapons, flags, and a large pipe wrench, and thank goodness no one was injured or killed. I got news for you. You got millions of weapons in this country, right? Hundreds right. of millions, and these are law-abiding citizens who do not harm anybody. That's what people don't understand. They think these guns are going to jump out of the holsters and kill somebody just by their very nature of being. And until right. these people actually 
interact with real live gun owners, law abiding gun owners like the vast, vast, vast majority of people who own firearms in the United States. They're not going to understand that. But these people who are all so tolerant, right? They're, they're the most tolerant people on the planet can't bother to have an intelligent conversation with law abiding gunners. That's far too much to ask of these people, right? Yeah, apparently. Apparently, it seems like too much to ask, even though it shouldn't be. You know, I got another one over here. This one's great. Um, it was another editorial that talks about. And we got this other editorial. And what it says is citizens carrying weapons should wear armbands. Yeah, this is a, a great idea, right? First of all, this guy comes out saying, oh, I'm a supporter of our Second Amendment. But in Nova Scotia, you know, they took away everybody's guns because uh, some crazy guy went on a mass murder spree and, and they took away every all the law-abiding citizens' guns, and that was good sense. And he talks about he has a gun himself, and of course, like any responsible person, he keeps the gun very far away from the ammunition. Like any knuckle-headed person who doesn't plan to defend themselves or their families, that's what I say. <laughs> he says that lawmakers should make this law where anybody who wants to open carry is required to wear an elastic band on their upper arm so a person open carrying can be identified by civilians and law enforcement. This would get rid of the fears of citizens and protect the open carrier and the police. Do you find any logic in that whatsoever? Uh, you know, it's it's from a tactical standpoint, it's dangerous. You know, if you have a, a criminal who's got bad intent and they see everybody with their armbands, obviously they're going to shoot all those folks it's first. Like wearing right? a target. I, I suppose then, that if you've got arm, if you're open carrying in the first place, though, which yeah, that'd be right, fairly exactly. obvious. Uh, this yeah, guy's making it seem like if you're wearing the armband, then that shows that you're the good guy, right? That all, the, if the bad they guys open carrying, they won't wear the armband, right? Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> How hard is yeah, it to wear a damn armband? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's just, I don't understand. <laughs> uh, is it a felony if you don't put your armband on that tire? Oh, I'm sorry, we're going to have to take you in, sir. You're not wearing an armband. You're open carrying. How are we supposed yeah, to identify arm, you? We can see your mask, gun, but we right? can't see your armband. <laughs> oh, my, oh my goodness. goodness. I don't know what's going on. Where do they come up with this stuff? I just, I hope that we could have more intelligent discussions with people. And if people have legitimate concerns, my favorite is always when somebody sees somebody open carrying. I'm not the first guy to go out there open carrying myself. But I always think it's quite comical when somebody's open carrying in a store and somebody walks over to them. And, of course, they're always videotaping it, right? And they say, oh, excuse me, sir, but, you know, you're really making me feel uncomfortable by open carrying in the store. You're, really, you're scaring me. You're frightening me. It's like, right. if you were really that scared of the guy carrying a gun, do you think you're going to go over to him and start talking smack to him with a video camera in his face? Are you kidding me? That is such nonsense. That is just people who want attention. There's nothing right. else to it. And I'm not saying that I'm promoting people walking around uh, open carrying. I'm not saying that it's good. I'm not saying that it's bad. All I'm saying is that if you're approaching somebody saying that you feel threatened and you feel afraid because they have a firearm on their hip, then you're full of baloney. There's no two ways about it, right? Right. There's, there's no other way to say it. There's no way that you feel intimidated, scared, or afraid, yet you're going to confront the person <laughs> who's carrying the gun. Yes, it just doesn't yes, make sense. Yes. It doesn't make any sense. And, and you know, uh, one thing I learned from one of your seminars, Mike, I believe, was that you pointed out the uh, statistics on folks who have 
you know, licenses to carry. And as we know, in Philadelphia, you have to have a license to carry to open carry. So, you know, uh, those folks commit fewer crimes than I believe even police. Isn't that true? Absolutely. Mike? So generally, and really, when was the last time you saw somebody open carrying committing a crime? When are the bad guys going into place? They're going to open carry. Are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. But yeah. that's all the time we've got for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Stick around for We the People, The Constitution Matters. Pastor David Whitney, Professor Philadelphia, I'll be joining as your legal analyst. Go to LeadTacticalArmory.com, PACommercialArmory.com. Stay safe and God bless, folks.